time now for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teals. You can find our group on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Pinball Profile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com and please subscribe on either iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. I love the innovators. I love people who take a risk and try to make something brand new. And that's what our next guest has done, not just once, but a few times. Scott Gullix from Riot Pinball joins us. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Jeff. I'm excited by the pictures we saw last week of Legends of Valhalla, the latest from Riot Pinball. So before we get into this latest game, let's talk about some of the things you've done in the past. It kind of, I guess, began with you, maybe even back when you were in school. You're a mechanical engineer, and obviously you love things like toys. You told me before you're a big Transformers guy, and I guess maybe seeing that pinball machine in your dorm made you think, okay... Pinball might be where I want to try tackling some new projects. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been passionate about pinball. For me, they're they're not just uh, you know a pinball machine, but I see them as complete works of art. So, with my background in mechanical engineering as well as art, I just had a desire to try to create my own pinball machine with my own ideas, my own concepts, my own artwork, and try to come up with something new and unique. And uh, that, that's something I think I pulled off with Wrath of Olympus, along with the help of a, you know, a few other very brilliant and talented people. Wrath of Olympus, there are six out in the wild right now. Some people may have seen it before at Allentown. And you kind of got lucky when you built that because, you know, today with what people do, you know, they use the P-Rock system and the new P3 technology. You kind of had all the graphics done, had the white wood done. Everything was done without having some kind of software. And you got lucky on the shots, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, Wrath of Olympus, I think, turned out great. We did uh, develop a virtual pin before we actually went into the real model. That virtual pin was based on a standard body game. Um, when I started getting into the, the layouts on a on a real scale, I quickly learned that to really have it be fun and satisfying, I think you need to be able to make the shots most of the time <laughs> with a relative level of skill. So so we did jump in uh, into the wide body design almost right off the bat and you know just had a, a couple of tweaks here and there, but um, overall, we did get a little lucky, and it, it played well. Uh, the design seemed to work nicely, and you know, at the time, uh, Jerry Stallenberg had his P-Rock electronics coming up to speed, and you know, th- those worked fantastic for for turning a game into something that could actually be flippable and have decent level of rules and and code to it. When you're designing a game, do you have in mind, okay, I don't know what I'm going to put in here. I know some of the things I want. I know where the flippers are going to be, maybe some of the ramps. Do you know before you start, okay, let's try to squeeze this all in the standard or let's have fun and put everything in a wide body? Do you have a preference or what was the thought process with all of the games that you're making? Uh, good question. Yeah, so, so in Wrath of Olympus, the initial design, I, I wanted to stick to a, a standard body just because of, I, I was initially doing it in VP and it just... It seemed to work better in that fashion. And then when I, again, started doing the real layout, I, I quickly realized that to get all the features that I wanted in there from my original design intent, I really needed to switch over to a wide-body design to get, you know, a quarter-inch wider ramp entrance so that when I am shooting it, I can make these shots and feel good about it. And When I look at, for instance, Legends of Valhalla, however, um, I, I had a different design intent on that. One of the challenges, I think, in getting Wrath Olympus really off the ground was the fact that it was a, a wide body, and a lot of the current manufacturers today don't really have the setup to handle wide body machines. So, so when I was starting out with Legends of Valhalla, I did have a specific goal in mind, which was to keep it a standard body where in the event that this does become popular and people really are excited about it, I'll have more options as far as moving into manufacturing. 
when you think of some great wide body games, and I'm a fan of it, I've said that before on Pinball Profile, what are some of the ones that you think are just, they really encapture what a wide body should be? It's not floaty, it's got flow. What do you like in certain wide body games? Which ones are your favorites? You know, I've owned a Judge Dread for a long time. I, I ended up selling it a few years ago when I was getting ready to do my move. But I, I honestly, I love Judge Dread. I love the shots in Judge Dread. It's got a lot of fun loops. It's got those four flippers that all have specific shots associated to them. To me, that one's pretty dang fast and furious. I see that being a great example of the type of wide body that I like. I've always really enjoyed Indiana Jones as well, although that one sometimes can feel a little floaty, and maybe I love it so much because of the theme and the nostalgia there. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, definitely, definitely, I think Judge Dredd is, you know, the layout on that, if you look at similar layouts that I've had with Wrath Olympus and Legends of Valhalla, I think you'll see some similarities there. Before we get to Legends of Valhalla, let's talk a little bit about Dead Man's Hand, something you can find on the VP cabs with what Brad's doing. I think there's over 50 at least out there. Tell us about Dead Man's Hand. Okay, yeah, so Dead Man's Hand, again, I, I like to be busy, I like to be creative, and after Wrath of Olympus was done, I started looking at, okay, you know, is, is there a way I can make something that is pinball-related but doesn't have to actually be plugged in? And um, incidentally, I was at a friend's house who had um, a game, I believe it was called Twin Joker, and it was just a simple game where you plunge a ball and you try to get it in a hole and build the best poker hand you could have. And I was just amazed at the, the level of fun of something as simple as that. We, we had kids there that were five years old up to, you know, the grandmas playing the game, and everybody was having a blast, and everybody was able to compete, and it, was, it just was a really fun thing. And I was looking at the design and thinking, you know, there, there really isn't any reason this thing needs to weigh 350 pounds and, and have all these electromechanical details to it when, at the end of the day, you're just literally plunging a ball into a hole. So I decided to come up with a concept that could be a pure mechanical table that was something that was portable that you could bring with you wherever you wanted to go or put it in the closet and pull it out. And you could have that fun feature where you've got five-year-olds playing against you know, 30-year-olds and everybody's having a good time and has a chance to, to win or lose. So that's really where the Dead Man's Hand stemmed from. And, you know, the fact that it was card-themed, I, I wanted to make it a little, little bit more mature and Obviously, with uh, Wrath of Olympus and Legends of Valhalla, you know, myths and legends have always been something that's been really interesting to me, as well as history and, you know, Wild Bill Hickok and all those gunslingers of the Old West. I figured that might be a good tie-in with the uh, the card theme and that type of game. And it's also a passion, too, with what you've done from an art standpoint. I just have always loved to draw ever since I was a little kid. You know, when I, when I grew up, we didn't have cell phones and I didn't have access to a lot of uh, other media. So when I wanted to see something cool, like a, a Viking zombie, for instance, you know, without the internet, I'd have to draw the Viking zombie myself. So it, it was just a passion from when I was little and wanting to be creative and draw cool stuff. And it's just kind of uh, continued through uh, my life. When I graduated high school, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be an artist or an engineer. And I chose a path that had a little bit more guarantee on a healthy living that would support a, a family type lifestyle. And But in the meantime, I still maintained my art and took a lot of classes in college and continue to do that kind of as a hobby and just uh, continue to develop practice. And we've seen some of the early pictures from Legends of Valhalla of some of the Vikings and you've seen them on Pinside. We'll post them on our Facebook page on Pinball Profile too. Legends of Valhalla, we've seen what the layout's going to look like. Very, very impressive. Three flippers and just looking at it and the possible shots, the one thing I see is a lot of flow, something you must love. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I even made a post on Pinside about it, but um, I, I like flow. I, I like shots where the ball actually travels through a pathway. I, I like when the ball can return back to the flipper and you can get combos. I like when there's interesting loops that will feed one flipper to another flipper. I, I just like fast, furious games. I know some people like more target-style games with stop-and-go, but, you know, for me, you know, if you look at my current pinball collection, I own Spider-Man, Tron, Star Wars, you know, uh, Iron Maiden, I think, is a fantastic game that just came out that has incredible flow as well. Uh, I just love seeing that ball whipping around and giving players multiple options for multiple shots, multiple flippers, just just the mechanics of that. I, I love that type of pinball. I love the center ramp shot that you see in Legends of Valhalla. And tell us about how you collect these eight Viking tasks. There are 16 legends. And tell us, I know you've got Frank Gelati doing a lot of the software, and he's been a big part of Legends of Valhalla and Riot Pinball. What can you tell us about the tasks at hand? Uh, sure. Yeah, and, and just again, uh, for, for Frank Gelati, this guy is just amazing. I mean, seriously, he works so hard and is so passionate about pinball. And he's done so much for, for me and Riot Pinball and Wrath Olympus, and especially for Legends of Valhalla. I think he's almost got a 1,000 hours already into the code. And um, again, a lot of the stuff that we work on, I give him a general idea of the, the rules, and then he takes that and runs and polishes it and adds extra features, and he's done a fantastic job. But in the Legends of Valhalla specifically, we've got a number of different things that you can do during the game. So it's not really, I'm going to attack it one way every time. There's going to be multiple ways to attack the game. But at the end of the day, we have um, basically like eight main uh, Viking traits or characteristics that we're trying to have the players as they play collect throughout the game to try to get to these wizard modes that are called Valhalla and Ragnarok. And some of those eight characteristics are things like combos, where you need to collect a certain number of combos in order to get to the wizard modes. Or we have the, the 16 legends, where I've gone in and done a bunch of research on the Vikings legends, and those associate directly to 16 modes in the game. So you get a lot of variety in the type of modes, but you're also going to be exposed to a lot of the, the cool history and features and mythology of the Vikings. Uh, we also have a couple other... Uh, the character traits are associated with specific events like getting to the war at sea, which is locking three balls in the ship and then starting that multi-ball. We have another characteristic where you have to collect a certain number of weapons in order to, to get there. And incidentally, collecting weapons is also what helps unlock more of the 16 Viking legends. So as you're going through, there's a lot of these different things that you're trying to collect and go for and uh, you know, choosing whether to play for advancing through the game or points. Uh, really is going to give the player a lot of options on how they want to attack the game when they step up to it. Scott, you mentioned some of these toys. You mentioned the Viking ship. I see that there's a, a Thor hammer. You've got the Kraken magnet. And something on the upper left flipper, it's kind of a hidden subway shot. And I know you've been playing on the Whitewood. How's that working? You know, fantastic. Yeah, it works out sweet. Um, I always like when you've got a couple of different options to get to a different shot. So, for instance, the, the upper left flipper, you can get that shot by doing a right orbit, or you can do this inner orbit just to the right of the left ramp. That upper flipper also, like I said, if you open it up, allows a shot behind it, similar to um, the shot that's on the right side in Spider-Man, Star Trek, and Big Bang Bar. But if you do make that shot, what I think is interesting is it falls through the play field into a subway and then feeds the the VUC that's just off to the left, right down by the swing. 
So it, it kind of it gives a player an extra chance to go for that buck. Um, the buck is one way that you start a mode. Another way would obviously be through behind the uh, upper flipper. And we have another shot on the right-hand side that actually feeds to the shooter uh, lane where the ball can be paused so you can start a mode there as well. Incidentally, we're actually exploring a, a code rules where if you do hit the scoop on the left side through um, an alley pass, going to be worth three times whatever that normal shot would be because of the difficulty level. Wow. And if you hit this scoop behind the upper flipper, because it's a more challenging shot, it'll be worth, let's say, 2x. And then if you just go for the scoop directly, it'll just be worth whatever value. So, you know, for those very strategic players that are trying to maximize the game and points, you know, there's going to be options all along the way on how you can, you know, really get it to pay off if you want to take the risk. It's always been something really, I think, fun about pinball, and, and people are doing a really good job today, is giving players options on risk versus reward and how do you stack modes or bring the right things in to really make the big payoffs. But again, having that risk where, you know, if, if I do this, it might mean I'm going to lose the ball, but I really want to do it so I can get the, the huge 5x payout versus the 1x. You do love flow. Look at you. You're rewarding flow. Absolutely. Yeah, keep that ball moving. So these toys that we mentioned... How are you coming to get these toys? Are you making them individually? Is, are they being 3D printed? Or have you found a, an outsourced place? Uh, good question. Uh, so far for the, the first Whitewood that I built, um, they've all been 3D printed. So the, the ship, I've got a nice big 3D printed ship right now. That right ramp actually feeds that ship and the balls are locked physically in there. There's a downpost release that allows the balls to be released from the ship and brought back to the play field. So if your locks aren't lit, for instance, when you hit that upper ramp shot, the post drops right away and the ball immediately comes right back to the play field. So it still you know, keeps that ball moving fast. But if you do have your locks lit, it, it gets locked up in there. But um, yeah, that, that part in particular was 3D printed. The uh, Thor's hammer, that's another 3D printed part that I designed and had printed. That, that part actually could be honestly 3D printed probably in production because we're just simulating the way that it actually hammers down on the ball and stops it. It doesn't actually come in contact with it. We've got another post that comes up out of the bottom of the play field that's kind of hidden that the ball actually comes in contact with. So, yeah, so far for the first round, we've, we've just used 3D printed parts. I assume if this ever gets off the ground that we would end up, you know, getting them probably uh, manufactured through, a, you know, a cast process of some sort. Oh, you can't say if it gets produced because the layout looks great. We want to see this out and about. And I know you've got the white wood. When you tease us like that, you've got to get it out there. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, you know, I really hope so. And, you know, I, I want about this design a little different than Wrath of Olympus. Building Wrath of Olympus, a lot of the stock parts that you would think are just readily available everywhere weren't. Um, and because of that, we had some sourcing issues. And, you know, being able to guarantee that it could have a complete bill of materials for even 10 games was something that I, I couldn't guarantee and that ultimately is why we kind of ended up at six but since then um, Pinball Life and, and Terry there I can't thank him enough either for uh, what he's done for the homebrew community he's gone in and generated a lot of these standard pinball parts that you would expect to find and, and been able to make them where they're readily available and there shouldn't be any source of supply issues so specific things like you know, drop targets, for instance. I had a heck of a time making sure I could get even six drop targets back when I built Wrath Olympus. So, you know, knowing now that uh, parts are more readily available, I've got a wide bo uh, standard body game design for Legends of Valhalla. I do have a little higher confidence that, you know, if, if people really like this game, that there'll be a 
higher likelihood of success and moving it forward. Scott, you've got Frank doing the software, you're doing all the design, the artwork, the layout, and as you're flipping this right now, I've always wondered, you've got a, a lot of flow here, you've got some orbits, you've got some ramps. Strength of flippers, that's a real fine balance, isn't it, too? Because you want to be able to, with the example of Legends of Valhalla, maybe backhand that left ramp, certainly be able to hit the center ramp from both shots. But if the flippers are too strong, you want to avoid things like air balls and whatnot. So have you found the perfect balance? You know, I, I think so. I'm still working through that. that. That is honestly something I learned through Wrath Olympus as well with the position of the, the stand-up targets, especially where the, the captive ball is that, you know, dialing in that flipper strength and making sure that, you know, you're not getting a bunch of air balls off those targets is important. The nice thing about the Legends of Valhalla, the, the ramps I have right now aren't incredibly steep, so there's probably not going to be a need for super high-strength flippers. Um, with the flow, we're already going to naturally get, I think, faster ball speeds that way. But just in general, with this design, too, uh, the for the most part, I, I see a lot of air balls happening from targets that are kind of in the middle and the sweet spot where the flippers are hitting super hard. And in this design, a lot of those targets are actually off to the side where they're more backhand shots or just at the tip of the flipper shots. So I haven't seen a lot of air balls in the whitewood I built, and I don't expect to see a lot of those in production game if we get there. I'm looking right at the picture right now. That's a good point because everything in the center is kind of far back, and you know, the closer it gets to the flippers, you, you see it more on the side. So, okay, that's, that's really interesting that you've done that. You know, I, I learned a lot from the Olympus build. I mean, there's so many things that you kind of take for granted that these guys have been doing fabulous pinball design for 20, 30, 40 years. You know, they, they've learned through 20, 30 pinball designs, right? And uh, I'm just glad I was able to build Raph Olympus and, and learn a lot from that. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up air balls because that was one thing that I discovered in the Raph Olympus build that I wanted to improve on in future builds. So, you know, that, that experience is definitely incredibly valuable in this this hobby and this profession. How many people have played the Legends of Valhalla Whitewood? Just uh, me, my wife, and my five-year-old. So the next question is, you know, you're right there on the Minnesota and Wisconsin border. There's a pretty big show coming up in Minnesota. Is that <laughs> maybe a possibility? We'll see it flip there? Right now, it's actually flipping just on a rotisserie. I, I don't have a cabinet yet that's still in the works. What I'd like to do is have the next version of the Whitewood where I actually have inserts in place, so... What I didn't want to have is just bring this to a show and people are just aimlessly shooting at shots and there's there's no inserts giving them instruction or direction on where to go. What I'd like to do before people actually get a chance to flip it and play it is to have some have a white wood in place that actually does have inserts and lights so that the thousand hours of code that Frank's already put into the game that they they can actually enjoy that and play that as well. Ideally, I kind of wanted to have a complete package with full artwork and a finished thing to to show people, but we were just so excited about this and wanted to, to let some people know about it that we made the announcement last week and started moving. So I, my plan, uh, honestly, is hopefully Expo this year to have at least that, that white wood with inserts ready and available for people to play at Expo in uh, October. Well, that's good, and I respect your decision to get it to at a certain level, and it must be hard to button your lip. I know you put these pictures out because of the excitement, and it sounds like Frank's really advanced as far as the software is going, so we can be patient. We're not patient. We can be patient, uh, and I think it'll all pay off once we see this at Expo or wherever you decide to, to launch this. Uh, thank you, and I appreciate the patience. Yeah, and you know, I, this isn't my first rodeo, and 
I'm well aware of how uh, products, when they're shown and they're not really complete, that can kind of burn you a little bit. So I, I've been in the mindset lately on Legends of Valhalla that, you know, before we really get something out for people to play, I'd, I'd like it to be a little more polished and a little more ready for them just to, you know, avoid speculation, et cetera. You and I talked before we started this interview, and one of the reasons you got into doing these games, whether it's Wrath of Olympus, Dead Man's Hand, or Legends of Valhalla, is there was a time when you thought there weren't a lot of original games out there and kind of real cookie cutter stuff, not very deep games. That's not the case now, but there was that period, and that's kind of what pushed you forward to to create some of these games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when, when I did uh, Wrath of Olympus, I don't know that I could uh, name a single manufacturer that was making a game with original artwork that wasn't uh, some sort of Photoshop blend, et cetera. And there certainly weren't any uh, original themes. They all seem to be licensed themes. So, you know, Wrath Olympus really stemmed from a need for me uh, to see an original theme with original artwork. And um, since then, it's been awesome for pinball with all the original themes coming out of these other manufacturers and, and the artwork that... Uh, a lot of these people are putting out now is just really, to me, taking pinball back to, to what I loved about it, which is, you know, I see pinball not just as a toy that I play with, but, you know, they're, they're a work of art. Um, they're almost like a piece of furniture. And, and to see the, the quality level of the whole package come to where it is now through all these other manufacturers is just fantastic. So, Scott, I'm always impressed by people like yourself, whether it's Keith Elwin making Archer, which is now Iron Maiden, whether it's Scott Denisi doing the Whitewood, and that's now TNA, Ed Owens and his Ghost in the Shell, and Mark and City doing his Nightmare Before Christmas. All of you people that are creating pinball, and who knows where it leads, it's a great labor of love, and you've got a lot of the pinball community excited, and we need more people like you, but it's not easy to do, and I can only imagine how many hours you and your team Frank and everyone else has put into this. Any idea? Wow, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, sometimes I don't want to know. <laughs> Your wife might but, know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm up late almost every night doing artwork and doing the build and up early to go to my day job. But rather Olympus, I, I bet between me and Frank and the other guys, we, we probably put 10,000 hours into that development. And, you know, right now in Legends of Valhalla, I think Frank's got about 1,000 hours of code and I've probably easily got about that in the CAD layout and the artwork and the build and testing and shooting the whitewood, et cetera. So, you know, we're going on thousands of hours already and we just have a whitewood on a rotisserie right now. So <laughs> it's definitely time consuming. and It's a labor of love. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm doing this because I, I love it and I want to have another game and Frank wanted another project and we, we just want to do something cool again. And, you know, if it goes somewhere, great. If not, that's fine too. We're, we're doing it just for the love of it. So... So a thousand hours of software code for Frank, and you're paying him twenty dollars an hour. Let me just do a quick calculation here. You owe him a life debt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twenty dollars an hour, I think, would be uh, a discount. Super cheap for sure. somebody of Frank's caliber. I just see him charging out a hundred, two hundred bucks an hour for his work. But a friend discount. You got the friend discount. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a. He knows he's going to be guaranteed at least get one game out of this, so at least there'll be two Legends of Valhalla at the end of it. But yeah, Frank's a fantastic guy, and you know he puts all this time in, just like I'm putting it in, because he loves it and wants to see something cool that, that he did and that other people get to enjoy too. So, Well, we love it too, Scott. Thank you very much. All the best to you at Riot Pinball. Looking forward to see Legends of Valhalla, hopefully, at Expo and uh, flipping that Whitewood. Uh, we enjoy the progress we're seeing on Pinside, and I do wish you the best. 
Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on and uh, kind words and everything else. So um, we'll continue to post on Thinside updates, and we also uh, copy those same posts over to our Facebook page uh, for people that are following on Facebook. So stay tuned. Uh, lots of exciting stuff. We're going to continue to show little snippets of uh, the art as well as um, information on the code and specifics on that. So you know, when people do finally get to show up in Expo in October, you know, if they've done their homework, they they'll have a good idea of what to expect in the game and and uh, know how to how to go for modes and go for points and really have some fun with the game. Sounds like a great idea. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I just want to thank my uh, friend Frank again. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to do this without him. 100%. He uh, he's just got a passion for this, and I couldn't kind of asked for a better person to be working on this with me. Again, the, the P-Rock crew, Jerry Stallenberg and his boards, I mean, they've been stable. They've been awesome. He personally and the rest of the people in the development groups have just been invaluable in answering questions and helping me personally get through this. Wrath Olympus was built on the original P-Rock. I had a good basis for getting through that. Um, the new one, we're operating through the P-3-Rock, um, so I had a little learning curve there. But again, the community was just fantastic for uh, answering questions and I'm sure a lot of them seemed like they were pretty stupid questions coming from me but you know I'm not an electrical engineer but you know they did their their best to help help me and uh, have just been you know truly a great resource to to be able to get off the ground um, there's a bunch of other individuals that I'm sure uh, Frank could like to talk about and how they've helped him through the uh, code development as well yeah and again I, I would like to thank uh, Terry from Pinball Life and getting all those parts available. Uh, without them, you know, the, the ability to actually get this game off the ground would be uh, severely reduced. So, again, thanks to Pinball Life. And, oh, and lastly, I also really want to thank Brad Baker from VP Caps and Greg Butcher. Those two have been just awesome in helping me actually get the physical white woods. And uh, Brad's uh, going out on a limb and helping me with uh, get a cabinet made as well. So I look forward to see uh, what our uh, business relationship can be in the future with him also. Thanks, Scott. Excellent. Well, thanks again, sir. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find our group on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Pinball Profile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. And please subscribe on either iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. I'm Jeff Teolis. Teolis.